The U.S. men's national team defeated El Salvador in the quarterfinals of the Gold Cup. They're on to the semifinals, taking on Honduras. This is the SBI Show. I am Garrett Cleverly. As always with me is Ivis Galarsep. What's up, man? Nothing much, man. It's a pretty good day here in Baltimore. Uh, definitely a good day for the U.S. fan and a good day for CONCACAF. They had a pretty packed house here in Baltimore for the two matches. Yeah, lots of blue in the stands. What was up with that? Well, for one, the stadium seats are a bluish purple. Uh-huh. Um, so that kind of helped fill out some of the areas that maybe not were not full. But obviously you have El Salvador, who had the, the most fans here. And then you also had Honduras fans, mm-hmm. who also wear blue and white. So it was a sea of blue. Uh, pretty much, except for the uh, one section that had the uh, the American Outlaws, the U.S. fans. I know the American Outlaws looked like a tiny little island in that one side. Yeah, I tell you, at times it felt a little like I was in Central America, and I thought it was like San Pedro Sula, or uh, you know, some other or San, San Salvador. I don't know. Well, especially with all the trash that Landon Donovan was, was being thrown at him on the corner flags. I mean, I thought we were in I thought we were in Azteca for a second. Yeah, it was funny. Although I'll tell you, the, one of the funniest moments of, the, of this, the, the day was, I guess somebody threw a pair of sunglasses at Donovan. Oh yeah, he put him on. on. It was hilarious. Yeah, he put him on. <laughs> the, the 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 referee or the assistant referee uh, seemed like he was in a rush to get him off the guy off of Landon's face. Maybe he was worried that he was going to incite the crowd to throw more stuff. <laughs> there's a there's a gif of it. It's actually pretty funny. Um, but like you said, the U.S. national team. Uh, defeated El Salvador 5-1. to one. Very impressive result, Ivis. I mean, obviously, like you said, you were there with the SBI crew. What were your takeaways from this game? Uh, you know, What were your positives, you know, immediate reaction from this result? Well, I mean, obviously, it, it, midway through, it was uh, there were some nervy moments. Especially, you know, they give up the penalty. Then you go into halftime. And then come out at halftime, and El Salvador really took it to the U.S. They really, you know... Had some chances, uh, really put the pressure on, and uh, if not for maybe some bad finishing on their part, they could have tied the match up. But you know, you give the credit to the U.S. They they had a really strong start to the match, obviously jumping out to zero, but then they they turned it on uh, in the second half. After that early onslaught in the second half, uh, they they started to pour it on, and then uh, I tell you, when Eddie Johnson came into the match, he really he really helped change the game because you're talking about. Um, you know, his speed. Obviously, he scores his first touch. He's, 14 seconds, he's on the field, and he heads home with Donovan Cross. Uh, but then beyond that, he just kept putting pressure on. He just really provided a good speed element that was a perfect partner for Donovan uh, to attack a, a tiring El Salvador defense. Oh, I think it goes to show that those call-ups were justified for Jurgen bringing up Eddie Johnson. I mean, before we get into more details, what was up with the hair and the lightning bolt that he had? Well, that's just his thing. Uh, he... Uh, <laughs> You know, he died a few, actually a few U.S. players uh, dyed their hair a few uh, recently, a few weeks back. I think Maurice Sidhu was definitely one, and I think Terrence Boyd also uh, joined in on the fun. Uh, just a couple guys deciding that they're going to go blonde and see how that works out. And uh, it, it did well for him here today, I'll tell you that. I mean, he had a goal, he had an assist uh, coming off the bench, and he, he really, really, i tell you what, he, he really set himself up now uh, to possibly start against uh, Honduras in the semifinal. He just... Just with his speed and his willingness to go at people, and the way he combined with Donovan, uh, it was a really good showing. Especially on a day when Wanda, Chris Wondolowski didn't necessarily have the best showing. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, I mean, he did his work. That's the thing. I mean, I know some people are going to be real hard on Wondolowski um, because you know he did. He obviously didn't score a goal, but he did have. He did set a assist up for Joe Corona. Although to be fair, Corona did a lot of the heavy lifting on the goal. But uh, you know, Wondolowski did a lot of work. You know, he he really put a lot of pressure on the on the El Salvador defense. But I don't know. You know, if I'm Jurgen Klinsmann, uh, I have to think about Eddie Johnson and starting him and, and how dynamic he and Donovan look together. Um, you you have to like that pairing and how they look today. Well, other players that had good games on on the pitch as well. I mean, Nick Romano looked pretty good out there. Kyle Beckerman. I mean, it's amazing. Everyone was hating on him a couple weeks ago, but now everyone's saying, oh, we had his best game ever. I thought Joe Corona had a good game. Who are your other winners from this game, Ivis? No, I think Corona for me, well, obviously, first of all, Landon Donovan, man of the match. I mean, when you, when you have a hand in every single goal in a five-goal game in a 5-1 win, I mean, that's, that's the definition of the man of the match, right? I mean, he scored a goal. He had he had three assists. And then on the fourth goal, he uh, he helped set that up as well. So, you know, yeah, he, he really looked like vintage Donovan there. Although, to be fair, it wasn't a perfect game for him. He had a lot of good chances that he didn't finish. I mean, he could have had four goals probably on the day. And, and there were a few. I'm, I'm sure 
a few of those he would love to have had back because they, they were pretty good chances. And so, the, and the funny thing is, you know, the U.S. wins five one, mm-hmm. but the El Salvador goalkeeper had a game today. He, oh yeah, he made he made I don't know half dozen quality sh- you know saves, three or four top shelf saves to keep El Salvador in it. And um, you know, the U.S. their their attack was was really really rolling, really playing well from the first half to the second half. Well, you know, real quickly, I mean, what about Breck Shea's performance in the second half? I mean, clearly that goal gave him confidence. I thought he looked outstanding when he came on uh, when he came on late in the game off the bench. Well, I mean, he did, but to be fair, again, you have to look at the context of the game, right? El Salvador, by that, by the time Shea comes into the game, El Salvador is throwing everything at the U.S. to try to get back in the game. They're not really worried about defending. They're also not that good at defending to begin with. So you put Shea in the game like that, he's going to be able to go at people He's going to have all kinds of times to, to pass the ball around, and, and, and he did that, you know, and he did it well. And it, it's another step for him. It's another another confidence booster for him. But I don't know if we should make too much about that performance because, look, like I said, I mean, the game the game was getting out of hand. El Salvador was clearly, you know, worn out. And uh, But, again, it's still, it's still a good step for Shea. I mean, after the goal, to come in and have another good game, it's just it's building, you know. It's building him back up, getting him, getting his confidence back, getting his touch back. Uh, so for him, it was definitely a good day. Well, and I'm sorry, I hate to bring this up. I should have mentioned this. I think the the question that everyone was asking Ivis after the game was was you know obviously everyone was talking about how impressive Landon Donovan was, and now people are saying senior squad, senior. I mean, I'm sorry, senior squad is horrible to say that. Uh, World Cup qualifying team. Has he now earned his spot on that World Cup qualifying team based off his performances with this team in the Gold Cup so far? Well, you know, it's funny you mention that because uh, Ian Klinsman was asked that after the game, and he wasn't, you know, he wasn't going to take debate on that. Yeah, uh, he's look. They're focused on the Gold Cup, but I mean, I think anyone watching this team knows that Landon Donovan is still a player who can make an impact. Now, what people what people need to be careful of though is thinking he is still the same Donov- Landon Donovan from his peak years. The dominating player who could dominate even against you know against higher higher level teams, he is he is still an impact player, but he is not the impact player anymore. And I think uh, you know it, it's a little tough to, t- to see that when you're talking about him die- destroying teams like El Salvador. But um, you know I, I think as we see, I mean even in this whole tournament, I mean only Panama has what you could call an A team here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Honduras is missing guys. Mexico obviously is missing a ton of guys. So it's not a fair measure. Honduras is missing guys. So it's it's not a fair measure to say okay he's back to being who he is. He's not. You know he's an old. He, as you get at the point he is, as you get older, you're gonna you know you're gonna lose a little. And he, I mean, he is not the same player. But saying that he's still dangerous. He still can be effective. He still has those great qualities that make him around attacking threat. And today we saw it. You know we saw the passing. We saw the corners. We saw the speed, you know, to, to still get, be able to get a gear and, and, and go at, go past the defender. He, he really showed it all today. So people should definitely be encouraged by that. But uh, I think some people, and it's a small group of people, mm-hmm. I think some people are getting caught up and in, in, in over playing this whole thing and saying, oh, he's still the best. He's still at his best. No, you know what? On the full U.S. team, he is going to be a key cog. But he is no uh, for me, he is no longer that, like, top guy. I think Clint Dempsey's the top guy in the attack. Michael Bradley's the master of the midfield. And then now you have Donovan who gives you that dynamic quality. You can play him at forward. You can play him on the wings, either side. So he's a great piece to have. Um, but, you know, I want to see him uh, in San Jose, Costa Rica in September. And we'll see him there. We'll see how he does under those conditions. And then we'll, you know, then we'll get a better sense of just where he is in his overall on his overall scale. Well, I think regardless of the score, I mean, El Salvador did give it to the U.S. for, for quite some time. I mean, before Eddie Johnson scored in the 60th minute, I mean, like you said, I think El Salvador impressed a little more than I think maybe some people thought going into the game, no? Well, I mean, it, to be fair, when, when you're talking about playing what is essentially a home game, it felt like a home game for them. I mean, the crowd here was completely pro-El pro Salvador. That's going to give them a boost, right? And, and to be to credit them, they have attacking quality. They have some some good players who can cause problems. Zelaya, Rodolfo Zelaya, remember the name, folks, because I'm sure MLS teams are on the phone trying to get a hold of him because he's a, he's, he's a dynamic player, uh, you know, really quick, really dangerous. He's someone who's definitely on that radar for the league for MLS. Um, but having said that, I just don't think they had enough overall quality one through eleven 
to, to really compete, contend. And, uh, and I think that's just, it, it, at a certain point, they did well to, to catch the U.S. on the counter. The U.S. was sloppy in their transition defending in the first half and early second half. And that's something that Jurgen Klinsmann did touch on because I asked him, I said, I, I asked Jurgen, I said, you know, 5-1 win, you figure everything's great, but obviously there's things you, you're going to come with that you feel like you need to work on. And he definitely pointed to the to transition defending and how it has to get better because once you get Wednesday playing a team like Honduras or into the final against potentially Panama or Mexico, those teams are going to punish you if you do not defend well on, on in transition. And, and we saw that a few times. The U.S. Uh, were vulnerable, uh, losing the ball and then getting caught with numbers behind. And uh, there were quite a few of those times that, you know, if El Salvador was just a bit sharper, they could have definitely done some damage. Um, in the uh, the U.S. as advanced is going to be taking on Honduras. I mean, obviously, I believe you watched, you stayed because it was a doubleheader. You watched the Honduras game against Costa Rica. Um, I mean, obviously, we can talk more about that uh, game preview when we do our next show. But just just general thoughts so people can start thinking about the game uh, against Honduras. Is there any players on the U.S. that were in this starting eleven or did see some action that we maybe will not see against Honduras? Uh, well, if, if you're talking about the full eleven that played today for the U.S., I mean, I, I for me, uh, I know one of the surprises for some people is the fact that Stuart Holden didn't start today, and you know, it, it, you have to remember he started, he played his first ninety minutes, his first ninety minute match in years in 2010 since all the injuries that, that that he went through. So it's clear, you know, physically he just wasn't able to come back in time to play tonight. He didn't even, I mean, he didn't even come off the bench for this game. I have to think that. You know, if he's healthy, if he hasn't picking up, t- uh, picked up a knock of some kind, if he's healthy with, ha- with being able to have what will th- by then be eight days to rest, uh, I have to think he's an option to start. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Mix Discrew did well today. He did well. He scored the last goal of the match, and he passed the ball around pretty well uh, in the first half. I thought he faded a bit. I think he struggled um, conditioning-wise, and I think he's still a, a player who – Needs to work on the both sides of the ball. You know, I mean, getting back defensively and closing gaps and, and, and kind of working in the team defending aspect, I think he still lacks there. For me, if Stuart Holden is healthy and fit, he has to start Wednesday. I think it's just his quality. I think you want him on the field. Um, I think he's a player that you could see start. And I think Eddie Johnson is somebody you could see starting uh, in, in place of Chris Wondolowski. I thought he uh, obviously just coming off the bench. And, again, we have to always put these things in perspective. When a player comes in in the second half against a team that's tiring, it can be a little mis- it can be a little misleading to, to try to compare player A to player B when player A faced the best of that team, the best forty five minutes that that team had. We've seen that throughout the tournament. Cases where the guy who comes in the second half has much more time on the ball, much a much easier go of it. And I think you have to think about that. But at the same time, Eddie Johnson has done it before. He's he's someone who you know he's he's Result. He's produced results before, and I think he showed he can match up really well with Donovan. So uh, that was the first time I think they've played together in a long time. And you know, I asked Eddie Johnson after the match about that, about just you know playing with Donovan when Donovan is in that zone. And 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 the first thing Eddie said was, you know, I was just glad to be out there with him for the first time in forever. So that for me, I think you might want. I think you might see that matchup in Dallas, especially Dallas. You know, I mean, Eddie Johnson used to play in Dallas, so uh, you know, might be a little bit of a return for him. And Ivis, for me, two guys who have really matured and progressed so far over this tournament, and I think one guy that's really made a name for himself, Joe Corona, the other guy also, Jose Torres, who I think has done very well. These two guys, especially Corona, what, what have you seen out of them, and, and should we expect big things out of them going forward? Well, I'll tell you what, Corona, when you make a list of players who helped their stock the most in this tournament, I think you can argue that Joe Corona maybe has boosted his stock the most. I'm not saying he's had the best tournament because, I mean, Landon Donovan has had the best tournament. But Landon Donovan is a known commodity, right? He's someone who's he's done it before. This whole thing was, you know, probably as much about him just reasserting his um, desire to be with the U.S. team more so than him showing what he can actually do. But in the case of Joe Corona, this first real chance to get good minutes and in, and in good games and to show what he can do. And he's been great. You know, he's been great. And, uh, you know, today, obviously... Second, first half better than second half, but he scored another goal, uh, and he was just real good. He was just quality all over the field, and you know he he's someone who's who's definitely catching the eye of people. I know the El Salvador coach going into the match mentioned Corona as someone who he has seen and has, and has impressed him on the club side. 
Um, so th- this is a, this is the kind of tournament it has been that can definitely catapult Corona into a more prominent role with the full team. And that's the thing, you know, when you talk about it's funny, the biggest argument or debate com, uh, coming along these last few months was Landon Donovan or Graham Zussi. You know, a lot of people try to pit them together and say they're vying for one spot. And I don't, I don't necessarily agree. I think you can play both of them. Um, but at the same time, you also have to think about Joe Corona. He's someone you have to start looking at and saying, you know what, this guy has gotten some really high-level experience in, in Mexico, playing with Club Tijuana, winning a title with them, playing in Copa Libertadores with them, playing well there. So he, he, his stock was already kind of on the rise in general. But now with the national team, he's had games. He scored a couple of goals. Obviously today a really well-taken goal. He, he, he is really, really on the rise. And he's someone for me – I mean, I think I already had him on the World Cup team projecting him. Mm-hmm. But I think – I mean, DeMarcus Beasley said it tonight. You know, if, if, if you're picking the World Cup team right now, he's on it. Uh, the rest of the uh, Gold Cup right now, Mexico squeaked by Trinidad and Tobago. Uh, 1-0, to Panama dis- uh, destroyed Cuba 6-1, to Honduras, like we said. He's going to be playing the U.S., defeating Costa Rica 1-0. to uh, The other games that were in Atlanta, uh, what's what's the deal with the rest of the Gold Cup? Just kind of handicap for it. Handicap the Gold Cup for us right now, Ibis, excuse me. Well, I'll take a, I'm going to just take a quick run through the quarterfinals real quick. The other the other three, uh, Mexico edged Trinidad. Trinidad actually gave them a really good game. I thought in the first half they could have they could have you know taken a goal, put a goal on them, and really put the pressure on Mexico. But they didn't find that goal, and Mexico was able to to, to score one late. They still haven't really impressed in this tournament, and for that reason, I you know for me, I'm picking Panama to beat them. I know Panama already beat them in the group stage, so it's not exactly this big shocking pick to pick Panama to win in the semis. But Panama, for me, and I, I've said it for a few shows, they're the team that actually brought the squad. They're all, their top, all their top guys are here, and they have the team. I mean, the, this same group of guys, when you talk about Blas Perez, Felipe Beloy, uh, Roman Torres, uh, Gabriel Gomez, these guys have been together now for – this is their fourth Gold Cup. I mean, this is the same group that played in the 07 uh, Gold Cup got eliminated by the U.S. They played in the 09 Gold Cup, eliminated by the U.S. 2011 Gold Cup semis, again, eliminated by the U.S. This group is ready to win it, right? They're ready to win it, uh, and and they're playing with a lot of confidence. Now, to be fair, that Cuba game, I mean, that I, the red card really ruined it. Ariel Martinez with the high boot on Blas Perez. He gets thrown out. Once he's out, the game is done. It was 2-1 at that time, and then and then Panama just destroyed them. So it's a little unfortunate that that, that happened, but... Credit to Panama, they are looking really good, and I'm, I have to pick them. Uh, as far as Honduras, Costa Rica, it was a pretty physical game, back and forth. Um, Costa Rica, you know what? I think Costa Rica paid the price for being so defensive-minded, and and what the, what I think their coach is, is learning now is that you can't have this Jekyll and Hyde approach to the way, way your team plays, and and have them be ultra defensive, five four one formation against the U.S. And then turn around a few days later and try to actually play attacking soccer against another another opponent. I just think it's a little un- unrealistic, and I think they paid the price for that today against Honduras. Honduras had the crowd advantage, obviously, uh, and they played well. Andy Nahar, DC United product, Andy Nahar uh, scored the winner today. Great goal for him. He's really on the rise, and it's like if you're a DC United fan, can't things get any worse? Now the guy who just left you. Scores his, you know, scores the big international goal. It's just like throwing a little more salt on the wounds to a nightmare season. But I tell you what, man, this Honduras team is pretty tricky. You know, they 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 haven't destroyed teams. They haven't dazzled in this tournament, but they're a solid team. They're good defensively. I love their midfield. Uh, for me, Jorge Claros. If, you, if you're talking about a, you know, Gold Cup best eleven, uh, he's someone who can argue for a place on it. Uh, and obviously Nahar. You know, you know, someone like Nahar. You got Mario Martinez. Um, Marvin Chavez as well on the team. They, they've got some nice pieces there. So they're going to give the U.S. trouble. But I, I just think the way the U.S. is playing right now, the way they're passing the ball, ball, the way they're moving, the way Landon Don, <laughs> the U.S. wins. The, the way you said ball right there is pretty funny. Yeah, I don't know. Your jersey know. came out right there. Yeah, was, uh, I, I, I tried to cover it up, but then it came out. <laughs> well, as always, I mean, if everyone's looking for extended coverage on the Gold Cup and all soccer in general, I'm sure you guys all read the site, but as always, go to soccer by Ivis.net. Ivis will have up his uh, player ratings because I know you hate doing player ratings right after the game. You like to rewatch the game <laughs> and analyze that a little more, which I think is the best thing. So if I was looking for extended coverage on the Gold Cup, go to soccerbyivis.net. Yes, sir. We have a full coverage here. We uh, we had the full team here. We had the 
uh, Franco Panizo, Thomas Floyd, and uh, also Pablo Maurer was here, uh, one of our DC guys. So we, we had the wall-to-wall coverage. We've already got a ton of stories up uh, on Joe Corona, on the U.S. Under-23 alumni exercising the demons against El Salvador, and a whole lot more. And, uh, yeah, I will do those grades eventually as much as I hate doing them. Uh, having just seen the match one time, but uh, I'll get her. I'm, I'm already starting doing them. Well, they'll be done hopefully before uh, we hit the road back up to 95 tonight. What was that? You're hanging out with what? Is that Team U25 or something like that? What are you talking about? Thomas <laughs> and Pablo and Franco. I think you're. I think you were the coach uh, of Team U25 I today. Know, I don't know if Pablo's U25, but uh, hey, man, we got a good squad. We got we got a good squad, and uh, you know, we roll. This is how we do. That's how we roll. We roll deep uh, when we're on the East Coast. Well, I was keeping it U.S. Men's National Team related. As we mentioned in the last show, a couple changes on the roster. Jurgen brought in some players. Some players left. Bad news now for one of those players that left as Hercules Gomez looks to be out four to eight weeks after knee surgery. That's a very tough blow for him. Well, it's tough in the sense that, um, he, it, you know, the Mexican season is kicking off and, and you know, his team is obviously hit, uh, hitting the ground running. They, they just played their opener and now he's going to have to wait a while before he gets going with his new team. Uh, it, it, it was a it was just it sounds like it was just a cleanup procedure. Just got his knee scoped. Sounds like he had some loose bodies maybe in his right knee and, uh, you know, that stuff. You clean it up, you drain the fluid, and, and then you kind of, you know, strengthen the knee. So when you're talking about four to eight weeks now uh, that he's missing, that's talk, that now you're talking about potentially missing the, the qualifiers in September, mm-hmm. uh, you know, early September with the Costa Rica game and the Mexico game. So it's unfortunate if he does have to miss those games, but obviously now that makes this Gold Cup even more of an audition for guys like Chris Wondolowski and Eddie Johnson for uh, that role in the forward line. And uh, if anything, Landon Donovan, you know, right now, uh, a, a potential, you know, Josie Altador slash Landon Donovan forward tandem could work with Clint Dempsey, obviously, behind them. Uh, but, it, you know, the options are there. But Hercules Gomez, you know, at his age, he could be getting to a point now where, where you know, he's a star, he could start losing ground in, in the race for Brazil. Well, one of uh, Gomez's teammates, uh, very the very young, Paul Areola made his debut for the Zolos uh, over the weekend, picking up an assist and uh, very impressive for the 18-year-old. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, I've been hearing nothing but rave reviews about him in, in preseason for Club Tijuana. We're talking about an 18-year-old attacking player, mm-hmm. uh, LA Galaxy Academy product. I know there's a lot of uh, talk going on about why didn't he end up with LA? Uh, how did he end up at Club Tijuana? Apparently the Galaxy are not happy with Club Tijuana because they have they've, they've uh, acquired Ariola. From what I understand, from what my sources have told me, uh, the Galaxy made an offer that was not exactly competitive for Ariola. Uh, and that's the thing now, you know, if you're, you know, as an MLS team, you have to be careful with your quality youth prospects because, you know, if a player is good enough, a foreign team will take a look. And when you're in an area where, like, where the Galaxy are. You have a team like Club Tijuana right nearby who has the resources and the interest in signing American players. You got to be careful. And listen, the Gal- it's not like the Galaxy are are struggling for 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 young talent, right? I mean, this weekend alone, we saw what they have. I mean, they they had both their their young stars, Jossie's artists and uh, Jose Villarreal, score goals yeah. in the win in a big win for them. So hey, they're gonna be all right. But it is a little disappointing if you're an MLS an MLS fan, Galaxy fan. To see a player like Ariola get away. Having said that, as a U.S. fan, as an American fan, you have to love seeing an 18-year-old American step on the field in his first match and four minutes later deliver a beautiful assist in a Mexican League game. I mean, that is great. That's progress. That just shows you that the U.S. is developing more talent, more young talent, uh, talent that's ready at an earlier age. And, and Ariola, I tell you what, man, he could be, he really could be a breakout player this year for Club Tijuana. Well, then also his teammate Greg Garza. I mean, he's also very young too. He started in the game as well. Right, he's someone. I mean, he's been there obviously for a little while now. He is usually Edgar Castillo's backup, but you know, I mean, he he got the chance now with Castillo here with the U. With the U.S. Gold Cup team, Garza gets in, plays 90 minutes, and you know, I, I, from what I've heard, he has he's also been impressing. So we could have a little Americans abroad versus Americans abroad battle there for playing time uh, between Castillo and Garza. We could also have we could also have Edgar Castillo finally just give up playing left back and stick to midfield because, as we all know, and as Edgar is he admitted said, to it, as he has said it a million times, and he said it to me, 
in uh, I don't even uh, in Hartford. Last time I talked to him, I talked to Edgar Castillo in Hartford, and I asked him flat out, and he says, "You know what? I'm not that good a defender." So so hey, you know what? Let's take it. Let's just take his advice and maybe just play him on the play him on the wing. Uh, over in Europe, Sasha Kleschen uh, helped Anders Schlett uh, pick up a Belgian Super Cup victory. That's uh, very good news for Sasha. I mean, if if anyone watches him over in Europe, I think he's fabulous. It's unfortunate. I I wish one day he just has a game where he just explodes for the U.S. men's national team. But I mean, very good for Sasha. I mean, he's the first American to to win a prize or win a trophy this season so far. Right, I mean that's that's a good it's good. I mean, obviously, you know he he didn't get the chance to to necessarily uh, you know boost his his chances uh, boost his standing on the U.S. team. He's still someone who's obviously in the pool. That mid that race for midfield uh, slots and midfield playing time is just getting stronger and stronger. And this Gold Cup, especially when you talk about Stuart Holden working his way back in, mm-hmm. Mix Disgrude getting a chance to play some serious minutes and impress. And show that he's right there in that radar. That, that all of a sudden now, I mean, think about that depth chart when you talk about central midfielders. Why, obviously, Michael Bradley and Jermaine Jones are the main guys, but now you've got uh, you know Stuart Holden, Mix Disgrude, uh, Jose Torres who could play centrally, Maurice Adu, who's obviously you know he's sidelined recently had surgery, but you can't forget about him. Sasha Kleshton, you got a bunch of guys. This is a good thing. Record. It's a, good, it's a thing. good thing. It's a good thing. You have options. You have options. So Kleshton, you know, he's he's really going to have to keep it rolling. And and hope that he can get some chances down the road. And uh, I tell you what, that's another thing. This if this U.S. team takes care of business in September, mm-hmm. if they win one or yes. both of those games, if they win in Costa Rica, they've pretty much locked up the world uh, the World Cup slot. The World mm-hmm. Cup qualifying spot is theirs. If they can take care of business in September, all of a sudden you have two qualifiers uh, against Jamaica and Kansas City, and against Panama and Panama Panama City, where you can go play some other guys, some of the some of the second team guys, maybe some of the guys who you know would normally get to play. So that's something to watch out for because I think there's definitely value in that. I don't know if Columbus is going to bring in European guys to play in meaningless games like that, but I think you could definitely see the Mexican league guys. You can mm-hmm. see MLS guys. So that's something to watch for, and that and that really is an incentive. And they're not throwing they're not throwaway games either. I mean, Jamaica might be out at that point, but Panama in that final game, they might be playing for something in that final game. That's going to be a big oh, game, right? Without a doubt, they could be playing at home for their World Cup qualifying lives, mm-hmm. and that is that would be a great place for for some of these younger guys to get experience. To, uh, you know, a some some people might think it's lambs to the slaughter, but you know what? That's that's how you do it. That's <laughs> the only way. That's the only way to get these guys experience. So you so. It, Hope you know. Here's hoping U.S. takes care of business in September because, as much as I know, everyone loves drama. I don't think any U.S. fans want to have the U.S. national team's qualifying hopes coming down to uh, Panama, and I doubt it would. Because listen, for me, there's no way a first team U.S. team loses to Jamaica in Kansas City. I just don't see that happening anyway, any which way. Um, and having said that, I think the way Mexico is looking, I don't see how the U.S. loses to Mexico and Columbus. Either, but you know what? You still have to play the games, and uh, it's going to be a fun, fun fall to watch. Ivis, let's bring it over to the domestic action, the Major League Soccer. There were eight games this weekend. Uh, the LA Galaxy defeated the Vancouver Whitecaps two to one. Camilo had a very nice goal. I think people were giving him a little bit of uh, sticking to him that his goals were coming against good teams, but he did score a goal against the LA Galaxy. And as you alluded to earlier in the show. The youngsters on the LA Galaxy came through. Jose Villarreal with a goal in the 29th minute. And then your boy, Jazzy Zardes, scores the game winner in the LA Galaxy defeat the Vancouver Whitecaps 2-1. to Yeah, it's definitely a, a game for the youth to be served for LA. And you know what? At, at a certain point, they, they, they need to have these guys step up. Mm-hmm. You know, when you talk about trading away Mike McGee, having Landon Donovan away for Gold Cup duty, you need the attack, the attack needs someone like Zardes to step up. He's obviously taking on a lot of minutes now. Jose Villarreal obviously is someone who, you know, is one of the most exciting young, younger players in the league. So to have both of them step up the way they did, especially in a game against a tough opponent who'd been rolling lately. I mean, that's an important win. That's that's, you know, those are the kind of wins that really help a team like the Galaxy because it's not just about the three points. Obviously, they need those points in this race in the West the way that is tight as it is. But you want to build confidence in, in your squad, in your squad players. And Bruce Arena through the years, and I can tell you just from covering him for all these years, mm-hmm. through the years, he has found he has had a, a way of, of having role players uh you know step up and, and come together even when even when their top players are missing, uh, you know, they, they were they can get the job done. And I, I can remember so many of those types of games 
where you look at the Galaxy, you look at the players that they have available, who they're missing, and you say, you know what? They, they, there's no way they're going to win this game. Uh, and then they win. And, you know, you give that some of the credit. Obviously, you give it to to, to the players, but you, you have to give Bruce Arena credit because when you don't have – not only do you not have Landon Donovan, and then, but then you don't have Robbie Keane. I mean, Robbie Keane's the maestro, right? He run, The attack runs through him. But they did miss a beat. You know, Zardes and Vieira both score goals. You plug in Pablo Mastroeni, and all of a sudden he's contributing for you. So they did, you know, great job for them, great job by Bruce Arena. And with Vancouver, they've been so hot lately uh, that, you know, do you take this as them coming back down to earth, or is it just, you know, a tough opponent on the road, you're going to take the loss. I would keep an eye out on that Whitecaps team. I know I've said it before. I'm not sold on this team as a playoff team just yet. I mean, they're playing well, and you look at them right now, and, yeah, right now they have that look, but – uh, you know, for me, I remember last year, and I remember how they collapsed. And I want to see—I I need to see for myself that they're not going to do that again. That you know, Martin Rennie and the and, and and crew, Martin Rennie and that front office are not going to over overdo it, not going to overthink it, tinker, start messing around with the roster. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I mean, I get the sense that, that we could see that again. And uh, until I see otherwise, I'm going to have have my doubts about them as a playoff team. Um, and then Real Salt Lake, uh, you know, they, we've been talking about the run that they've been on and how impressive it's been lately. They actually lost to Sporting Kansas City this weekend. And out of this game, Jason Christ was very upset with the, the refereeing in the game, the amount of yellow cards, the amount of fouls, and the red card to Chris Winger. But Sporting Kansas City, I mean, they get a goal from Eichel Parra in the 97th minute. They get the victory right there. But, I mean, here's the thing, Ivis. And, and, and here's the question. Does Jason Christ have a legitimate beef when he has to say that you have the two top teams in the league, yet they only have a referee that's very inexperienced? Is he justified in, in complaining about the selection that MLS had for the referee in this game, or is it just, you know, smoke, what's the expression, smoke in the water? Smoke in the water. I don't know. What's, what's the expression? I'm brain farting Pretty right sure now. sure it's Crap. not that. What's, what's, what's the, oh man, I'm going to get killed for this. If you get smoke in the water, that means you probably have a bong. So Gosh, I don't know. Stop. I mean, I can't. But okay, but, but anyways, get, I'll think, I'll remember the expression. But back to my point. Does he have beef that MLS put in an inexperienced ref when you have two top teams in the league? Uh, I, you know what? I'd say this. If you look at other sports, if you look at other pro sports, and you have marquee matchups, you generally get the better officials. You get the experienced guys. You get the referees that people know. You know, when the NBA is playing on Monday night, uh, I mean, NBA play, you know, they're playing on prime time. Or if you got Monday night football going on, you generally have the best refs. So, you know, if you have a, if you have this matchup and this, and here's the, the thing is, though, I don't as far as I know, I don't think MLS assigns the referees. I think uh, U.S. soccer handles the referees. So they assign the officials. And I don't know how much influence MLS has in that regard or mm-hmm. I don't know how much U.S. soccer really factors in. Uh, the games and the quality of games and what games are, are are the marquee matchups and what games aren't, or if it's really just a case of convenience and what referees are nearby. But you know what? I think there is something to be said for that. I think when you have a matchup of two of the top teams, two teams are in first place, you should have the best referees, in my opinion. That, that I agree with that. Okay, regardless of the controversy that came out of this game, what does this mean for Sporting Kansas City getting the victory over Real Salt Lake? I mean, we could maybe see these two teams in the MLS Cup Final. I think you could. Absolutely could. And the thing is, right, uh, I'm sure, I mean, looking at it, when you look at the way the game played out, it was a physical game. You're talking about, you know, Real Salt Lake, obviously they love to play attractive soccer. They're very technical side. They're not necessarily a physical side. Sporting Kansas City likes to get into it. They like to, you know, I'm not saying they're the earthquakes by any means. No, they, mm-hmm. but they can play that way. They can, I mean, they can be physical. Uh, and, and I'm sure while they be technical as well. I, I think when you look at the matchup and you're on the road, you're playing Real Salt Lake, you can't let Real Salt Lake get comfortable. And I think that's what happens with a lot of teams is that they don't put enough pressure on Real Salt Lake. And if you don't put pressure on them, they will pick you apart with their passing game. Javier Morales, you know, Ned Grabovoy, Luis Gill, uh, you know, all the guys they have, if you don't get if you don't get into them, put pressure on them, they will tear you apart. And I, I'm sure when Sporting Kansas City set out into that match, they set out to do that. They set out to really go at them and uh, and in the end, you had a, and what would you produce? You produced a physical game, and that that I'm sure some people weren't happy about, especially Jason Christ. But that that's come, that comes with it, you know. And if anything, it shows for me, it shows you know Sporting Kansas City developing a bit of an edge because it's in the past, you know, you've seen they you've seen the, the uh, them be the finesse team, them be the team that was getting muscled and and pushed around like Houston Dynamo. The Houston Dynamo and Sporting KC rivalry has been great, and in a lot of in a lot of those cases, you've had Houston really 
get physical with, with Sporting KC, unsettle them. And who knows? Maybe Peter Vermees is, is starting to kind of like put that message in. And you know what? We have to be tougher. If we're going to become a championship team, we have to develop a bit of an edge. And, and, and I think we saw that. I think we saw that against Real Salt Lake. A uh, game that you were at Philadelphia and the Portland Timbers. Game was stopped because of a lightning delay. But regardless, though, you had some excellent goalkeeping from Donovan Ricketts and Zach McMath. Uh, Portland, I mean, I mean, they're already picking up. They're on a, now a two-game unbeaten streak, so I'm sure we'll see them go on another ridiculous run of unbeaten streak. But the Philadelphia Union now, Ivis, that's five games at home unbeaten. Uh, I mean, the Union are very tough to beat at home, but but what does this result mean for both sides? Well, you know, if anything, I, I will say – Look, if you're Portland, you travel all the way over across country, and you're able to get a point. You're gonna, you want to, you'll be happy with that. And and what, and what I found really interesting for Portland is that's their last uh, long road trip of the year. They're, they're not playing. Uh, they're not playing any more East Coast opponents on the East Coast. They're not going to have to worry about travel as much the rest of the way. And that and there's something and that means something because I don't, I don't think people realize that. When you when you deal with lengthy travel, there is wear and tear involved. They're not wear and tear, but it, it does it is a grind, and, and we've seen it in the results through the years. Teams that have to travel cross country struggle; they don't put up the results. Uh, and, he, and it doesn't even matter about the, the the quality of opponent. It's just even just the trip alone, you can end up seeing a lot of teams struggle. So if you're Portland and you can get get away from your last road your last long road trip of the season with a point, you got to feel good. Uh, and at the end of the day, they, they weren't at their best. They, they, they were lacking a little bit in the final third, without question. They controlled play. They dominated possession for long stretches. But Philly, for me, my big takeaway, I, I was impressed with Philly in the sense that, you know, they're not the most elaborate team. They're not the most technical team that plays this, this crazy system. They're pretty direct, right? They like to get the ball forward that you know get the long balls they want to find Connor Casey Sebastian two and Jack McInerney uh they bypass midfield a lot they send the ball to Danny Cruz who's like the human wrecking ball uh, <laughs> you know they, they play their they play their way and and for me I I was actually impressed by them because they found chances they tested Donovan Ricketts earned his paycheck that night Donovan Ricketts made several outstanding saves and he also flattened Danny Cruz in what is has to be one of the best like one of the Kind of funnier moments where you know, for those who missed it, Danny Cruz made a, a, a one of usual, uh, you know, hundred mile an hour runs, uh, you know, nonstop car without brakes type runs, and he ran right into Donovan Ricketts and he lost. He's the one who hit the ground, flattened. But listen, Philly created a ton of chances. They could have won that game. And while they, while I'm sure they're going to be disappointed with the draw there, they know they played a good team. They know they played. That Portland team is legit. That Portland team. You see the quality from back to front. They're not, and they didn't even have their full complement of guys because uh, Rodney Wallace is, is here with the Gold Cup, with the Costa Rican Gold Cup team. And Willow Johnson was just in his first game back after being out for several weeks, uh, and you could kind of tell that he wasn't at his 100% best. But that Portland team, they're going to be there in the playoffs. They're going to they're going to make noise this year in the playoffs. I don't know if they, I don't think they're going to win it this year, but they are legit. And if you're the Philadelphia Union, mm-hmm. and you can play them toe to toe that way. And you're a young team, the way they are a young team, you have to come away happy with that. I think I think that John Ackworth and those guys will feel good about that result. Well, if you're okay, let's just 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 you know hypothetically, if you're saying the Portland Timbers are legit, when when are the Union going to be legit? I mean, or does this team still have a little bit of a uh, maybe? We'll see what they can do as the season progresses. Well, I, I, it's it'll it's going to take a stre- a good stretch of results from. Philly to be taken seriously, and I think they're still they're still not there, right? I mean, for me, you know, you have your true, in my opinion, true championship contenders. You have your second tier of teams who are kind of who are good and could be very good, but aren't or maybe just for me lacking a bit when it comes to just getting over the championship hump. Uh, Portland's in that in that area. I think the Red Bulls are that kind of team. Um, you know, FC Dallas. You know, uh, uh, you know, but you know, when you're if you're Philly, I don't. I, I think Philly still has to work to get to that tier. I think they need to put together a pretty good run of games. They need some more players to step up uh, because there's some guys who, who I, I just don't think have been playing to their best ability. Michael Farfan stands out for me as someone who, I mean, he has not shown the qualities uh, that once you know earned him a you know an All Star spot, even though it was you know kind of a fill in spot a year ago. But like I, we haven't seen the flash from him that we've seen in the past, and 
I think they need that. They need Jack McInerney to score goals, start scoring goals again. They need more creativity from their midfield. And until they get that, I think they're still just going to be that young team that's growing up slowly but is still a year away from really making noise. Chicago Fire spanked D.C. United. Chris Rolf Ivis had himself a game in this. I mean, he was beyond impressive. Both of his goals were just beautiful. Beautiful, and then and then you talk about another guy that had a really good game, uh, Joe. Uh, I'm sorry, Joel Parrot, He also had an outstanding game. The Chicago Fire, and we were talking about this Chicago Fire kind of kicking the tires a little bit, but hopefully they can kind of get back to the winning ways and put their name back into the playoff picture in the East. Well, listen, when they got McGee, when they got Mike McGee and Baki Sumari, that obviously helped them, you know, wake up and climb back into the onto the radar of the playoffs in the East, and now. You're starting to see some of these other guys, some of the, the guys who were, had been around, start to step up. Obviously, Chris Roth is a longtime fire player. You know, he left, went to Europe, came back. He's someone who's done it before. He's someone that, you know, if they're going to make a serious run for the playoffs, they're, they're going to need more than Mike McGee, right? They're going to need guys like Chris Roth, Patrick Niarco, uh, Joel Impair. Joel Impair is one, you know, when they picked him up, I thought, you know what, that's going to be a good fit for him. Getting him out of New York, everything that went wrong for him in New York. Now he's in a new environment. He's going to be a perfect fit for them, giving them you know a little bit of grit in the midfield and some attacking quality. And now I think we saw in that game. And look again, you got to consider the opposition, right? DC United is an absolute train wreck. They're an absolute train wreck. But still, Joel Impair, that's a big that's a big result for him. That's a big performance for him. And uh, you know what? Hey, Mike McGee's cold now. What's going on? Ah. He's cold. It's <laughs> terrible. They should trade him. No, I'm kidding, folks. He's obviously you know. You, he, no one, no one could honestly expect him to keep up the rate that he had, the goal scoring rate. Mm-hmm. You're gonna balance. Things are gonna balance out. But at least now, the tone. The, there's a higher level there in Chicago. They're, they, 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 the bar has been set a bit higher. And what do you know? All of a sudden now, you look at the standings. Mm-hmm. They are currently five points out of the fifth playoff spot. That's not that much, right? When you're talking about 15 games to go, 15 games to go. They, for them. So they, they're right there. And if you're Philadelphia, if you're Montreal, if you're New York, you gotta, you're got you on alert. Because I tell you what, the fire are coming. The fire are coming. They're eight points back of those teams. Right now they're eight points back of the Red Bulls with two games in hand. So they're not that far away. Well, she- and, uh, and, I tell, and you know what? If Rolf gets hot and Limpair starts playing well, you add, the, add that to Dilly Duca and Mike McGee, all of a sudden, I mean, they're playoff, they're playoff worthy. Well, for the Chicago Fire, their next six games, Ivis, and I, I always talk about going the schedule going forward, but the next six games for Chicago Fire are all against teams that are ahead of them in the East. So they have a really good opportunity to really gain some momentum and take teams above them that are out. DC United fans have to still be happy, though, that Luis Silva, in his first game with DC United, scores a goal. Right. That's a, that's a small consolation prize, but you know what? I don't know. I don't know if many DC fans are getting too crazy about that. Look, I loved the trade when they made it. I thought the, I thought they I thought it was a steal. Toronto gave him away. They're going to regret giving him away, in my opinion. I think Luis Silva is a quality player. He's going to just become one of these other players on this long list that have got left TFC for greener pastures and really seen their careers blossom. But you know, I, I don't. You know, the whole DC thing's a little odd for me because here's the thing, right? Mm-hmm. You know, their their season's a nightmare. They, they, they're not playoffs. Playoffs. The whole idea of playoffs is long dead months ago. But I don't know. You know, if you, I don't know how as a team. You know, you talk about the youth movement. You talk about all right, we're going to go sign them young American players. Like I don't know how. What are fans supposed like? It, it takes a lot of faith for fans to just keep saying, you know what? All right, I'm going to keep coming out, even though I know this team has no chance of winning. Even though I know these guys are learning on the job. We have all these young players. I'm just going to keep supporting this team. I'm going to keep buying tickets to these games. Um, I still feel like you need something to play for now, right? And I, I that team, I don't know, man. I mean, I know you can look forward to the progression of younger guys, right? But that's I don't know if that's enough, man. I, I, I think the stadium is going to get emptier and emptier at RFK. Uh, you know, it's already been empty, pretty empty, but pretty bad, man. I, I, I don't know. I, I feel for DC fans. I mean, I, do they go into hibernation until February? I mean, what are they supposed to do? I don't, I don't, I don't know. It's a, it, it's an ugly one. And uh, I, this youth movement, 
I don't know. That's going to take a while to catch on. I don't think that's necessarily going to make them a winner next year. Ivis, we've reached the end of the show. As always, that means it's the SBI Q&A. People want your questions answered by the main man, Ivis himself. you got to pay attention to his Twitter feed. He tweets out, when we do the show, the show is on Sunday night. Tuesday night and Thursday night, about 90% of the time. So pay attention on those nights. Uh, first question comes from Jared Tong. Thus far through the Gold Cup, what has been the standout moment? Well, if we're talking about all games, not just U.S. games, uh, I'd say what I'd, I'd have to say Cuba, their stirring comeback, uh, not comeback, their stirring 4-0 win to beat Belize, scoring the fourth goal in stoppage time to book their place into the quarterfinals. I mean, just seeing the joy in, in, in the faces of those Cuban players was something special. And, I mean, I tell you what, I, you know, it was funny because that was before the U.S.-Costa Rica game. The stadium wasn't full by any means. It was a lot, a lot of U.S. fans hadn't come in the stadium yet. But just that moment, I thought that encapsulated what the Gold Cup can be in general, right? It's not always about the U.S. and how the context for the U.S. national team. Obviously, for American fans, it is. But I thought that was a pretty special moment. And uh, I tell you what, today in the U.S.-El Salvador game um, – Landon Donovan scoring his goal and then just kind of putting his arms up into the heavens as rain dropped on him. I thought that was a pretty cool moment. Uh, just kind of like he, you know, he's having fun, you know, he's having fun again. He's loving the game again and you see it. And, and that, and that was probably something that was missing for him a year ago, you know, and maybe it wasn't even soccer that was doing it or, or, or that made him happy or sad, but whatever it is right now, he is enjoying playing soccer again. And, you know, we're getting to see him play better soccer as a happy Landon Donovan. Uh, next question comes from Brian B. Dubs, who walks around without a case on his iPhone. Uh, is Donovan <laughs> the only starter from this group come September, or do we see others challenging for a spot? You know, it's funny that you mentioned that because only just... I didn't mention that. He mentioned that. So, Brian, no, thank I you. No, I mean, it's funny that you mentioned that about him because only just two days ago, I, I, uh, my case that I had mm-hmm. uh, broke. Like, it, 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 had, it, had, it had already kind of broken, and then I kind of just finished it off, right? I totally crushed it. So I, I took it off, and I didn't have a chance to buy a new case before I came down, uh, did the whole Baltimore Philly thing. So for the last two days, I have not had a case, and I swear, I, I keep, I just know I'm gonna break this phone. But thankfully, knock on wood, it hasn't broken yet. I will be making my way to a store tomorrow because trust me, folks. I, I if I, if not for phone cases, I would probably break a phone a week. Uh, but I've been pretty lucky so far. And uh, now, what was his question again? Because I told you. <laughs> the question was. Um... Is Donovan the only starter from this group come September, or do we see others challenging for a spot? Well, I mean, Matt Beaster's going to start, obviously, but that's kind of cheating because he just got here. Uh, but I tell you what, Joe Corona has played really well, and he's you know he he's someone who cleaned him in his life for a while, wanted to bring him along slowly. But I tell you, man, just his it, the thing is right he he do, he can do both he can do handle both sides of the field. He can get he can get back defensively, he can get stuck in. Uh, and he can pass the ball well. Mm-hmm. He can get down the line. He can score goals on his own. So he's a pretty complete midfielder, right? I mean, he's not like your your he's not your classic winger in the sense of just being a guy who's speedy down the wing, serving in crosses. But he just does everything well. And I think what we've seen here is a poised player who he had that shaky first half against Belize where he kind of you know it wasn't clean. It wasn't necessarily a great half. But from then on. After that first half, from the, every every appearance since then, he's been great, and he's someone that you know. If I'm Miriam Klinsman and I'm in San Jose, Costa Rica, uh, in that environment, that's going to be pretty crazy down in Costa Rica. You know what? I might take my chance uh, with a, with a guy like Corona, who has obviously played, you know, playing in Mexico with Club Tijuana, played in Libertadores, he played down in Brazil in front of hostile crowds down in Brazil in Libertadores. I tell you what, man, he might start. He could. I. I it wouldn't shock me if we see him start. Uh, next question comes from Mix Discarude's hair. No joke. On a scale of ten to ten, how glorious am I? Eh, I don't know. It's 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 pretty bouncy. He should do it. He should have a shampoo commercial lined up. He should, if he doesn't get a shampoo endorsement <laughs> deal in the next month, then he should probably fire his people. Uh, next question comes from Brian Abernathy. I hate that I'm reading this one, but Ivis forced me after working alongside at AZ Kicks It. 
That's me. What's your opinion on the topic of gingers having souls? And he put hashtag Garrett Rolls. So people do listen to the show. <laughs> well, he is my boy. Uh, we go way back a whole month, two months. But uh, I think Garrett does have a soul. I would say that. <laughs> he does you. have a soul. I'm pretty sure about that. Um, I'm not even a ginger. I'm a half ginger. I'm half. Right. I'm half. I'm, like, I'm more of like a, a term for a half ginger. Well, I don't have re- – I mean, I have kind of red hair and freckles. But, like, my, like, like people should see my brother. Like, if people know Chucky Finster from the Rugrats, like, my brother looks like that. To me, that's a ginger. Like, I'm, like, half of that. Like, <laughs> well, half. I, since I, I can't verify, I can't confirm or deny, since I clearly haven't met Garrett Yeah, yet, we, so we've never met, so yeah. For all I know, he could, you know, he could be seven feet tall and have red hair. <laughs> Please. But, uh, I would say Garrett does have a soul. I don't know. I don't know if he has a, I don't know if he has a heart, but he has, <laughs> nah, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> He just breaks heart. He has a heart, but he breaks heart. That is true. I do break hearts. Uh, Next question is from the American Evatorian. I know this isn't the best opposition we have faced, but has Clinzy finally silenced those who say he's tactically inferior? You know, that's an interesting question because, you know, look, you're supposed to beat these teams, right? Because, you know, the U.S. has more firepower. They have better players. They're supposed to win. Uh, But the way they're winning. The way they're they're dismantling teams, the soccer they're playing, the combination play, uh, you, it's hard not to give them some credit. And what I found interesting was um, right around the Costa Rica game, talking to the Costa Rica head coach, uh, Jorge Luis Pinto, he had a lot of praise for Klinsman and his tactical ability, his ability his, as a tactician. And he, and he even brought up how, you know, he, he brought over kind of zonal style play from his experience playing in Italy, he brought it to Germany, and now he's brought it to the U.S. So clearly, you know, uh, Costa Rica's coach Pinto is is a you know a tactical buff, right? I mean, he's a coach. He's a you're an international coach. Tactics should be something you're into, right? Without a doubt. But it's clear that you know, just at least from that standpoint, when you talk about a co- Costa Rica, Costa Rica's coach has a lot of respect for for Klinsman's tactical ability. Uh, so from that standpoint, I think his, his reputation. As a tactician, isn't maybe as bad as some think, and 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 his ability isn't as bad as some may think. Uh, but again, we're going to see this. You know, that it comes with the territory, that kind of stuff. But I do agree that you know, I, I feel like if you if you're giving him a grade for the things he's done in this tournament, you have to give him a pretty high grade because I mean, not only are they scoring goals, they're creating chances, they're also defending well. So you know, it's the total package, and you have to give him some of that credit. Next question comes from Neil Malone. The Cosmos begin NASL play in August. How much of an overall impact will the presence have on the league? Well, look, they're going to obviously attract attention. The name Cosmos is an international name. It's an international brand. As much as those the, the, that group of haters that's out there that just wants to crush them anytime you talk about the Cosmos. It's hilarious to me. You know how a team is legit? They haven't played in 30 years. But you know how a team is legit? team is legit. Well, they haven't played in 30 years, and they still have people who make it their point, make it their business to constantly crap on them and constantly talk trash about them. I find that amazing. But look, they're going to draw attention, and they're also going to, you know, I think they're going to raise the bar because it's they, they, the way they've been making moves, the quality of player that they're bringing into that team, they're setting the bar high in that league, right? There's no salary cap. Teams can spend as much as they want. And if the Cosmos start building, the, you know, it, with them spending the way they are, with them being serious about building a team that can be comparable, compatible, comparable to MLS teams in terms of talent, it's going to force these other teams to start stepping up. And I, obviously not all the teams have the resources to do that. But I think there are some teams that do have those resources, you know, that have new ownership, that have some money, that can try to compete on that level. And I think that can only help the NSL and it can only help American soccer to have a, a, another league where players can go and play at a high level and play on rosters that are stronger. Um, so I think it's great. I think the Cosmos joining, uh, getting on board and, and starting out here in a couple of weeks is absolutely great. Next question comes from Zach Ben Hakuma. Will Ivis go blonde in the wake of Eddie Johnson? Uh, yeah, I'm going to say no. Uh, I mean, listen, Eddie Johnson doesn't – for me, Eddie Johnson, that, the look doesn't really work for Eddie either. It definitely doesn't work for me because I'd say right now I will just look like – a big Peruvian guy Fieri. With, if, if I did the if I did the blonde, the blonde do. I've thought about it, but it, it won't happen. 
Number four, first of all, my wife won't let it happen. She'd probably saw me. She'd probably shave my head in my sleep if I dyed my hair blonde. Uh, next question comes from imaginary turbo friend. Um, what two what two teams do you think would make the most entertaining MLS final? I mean, this guy's based in Utah, so he goes. Uh, my picks are RSL and Sporting Kansas City. Shocker. Um, <laughs> listen, that that would be a pretty good final, right? I mean, you know, this this game they just played was pretty good, but I'd tell you what. I know Houston, look, Houston and L.A. have played the f- two straight finals, and those finals have been pretty good. But I think if you got yourself sporting Kansas City, Los Angeles, I thought I think that would be a pretty good final. Obviously, if you got yourself – if you got Red Bulls Galaxy, it'd be, you know, big markets, designated player, big names. But if, you know, if – I think from that standpoint, from a rating standpoint, marketing standpoint, obviously – I think Red Bulls Galaxy would be the biggest, but entertainment-wise, soccer-wise, the two teams that could play a game that would make people say, wow, this is great soccer. I think I think Sporting Kansas City Galaxy could be that game. I, I, I mean, Sporting KC Real Salt Lake would be good too, but, you know, I don't know how those – I don't know how that game would do national ratings-wise. I think Galaxy Sporting KC would be the game. Uh, next question comes from Saif Amin. Will Omar get the nod over Clarence? That's a tough one, you know. Clarence Goodson's done pretty well. He did well today. I thought, you know, he obviously scored the goal. His passing stats were amazing. You know, I think he missed. He, he, I think he had like four incomplete passes the entire game. You know, he had like seventy plus passes completed. And he, this is two straight games now, where he's really, you know, done well moving the ball around, passing the ball around. Um, so from that standpoint, uh, I don't know. You know, if you bring Omar in, you got to play him, right? You think you would think, uh, and also, hey. Gonzalez, he's a Texas boy, so you know that there, there's that to, to consider as well. That's a tough one. I, you know what? I'll tell you what. I, I will say yes because that game is just a few days away. The U.S. have just played now Sunday. Clarence Goodson just went ninety. You're going to bring in Omar Gonzalez, who just played on Saturday, mind you. Uh, I, you know what? I, I'll say yes. I'll say yes. I, I'll say yes. We see Gonzalez and Beesler. Assuming Beasley is okay, because he did leave this match early. Uh, he, he left the El Salvador match early. Um, uh, not that we heard any reports of an injury, but if there is any kind of injury, then I think we could see maybe a Omar Gonzalez-Michael Orozco combination. Uh, next question comes from Chris Romeo. Do you think Brexit will get enough playing time at Stoke this year? And it has another hashtag, Garrett Rules, on it. Thank you, Chris. Oh, boy. <laughs> You're just killing these Garrett Rules. i got to come up with my own now. Uh <laughs> Yeah, I gotta think. You know what? I, I'm gonna have to think of it. I, I'm the king of the hashtag, but I, have, I gotta think of a hashtag for my. That could be a king of the hashtag. That could be yours. You know what? That's yeah. Let's do that. Let's do that. Well, okay, uh, but everyone's I, I, everyone's I, I, gonna wait, do it though. Ivis the hashtag king. No. If you put no, no. if you put Ivis stinks, I guarantee your question will be your question will be answered definitely on this not. show. Definitely guaranteed, not. guaranteed. And I can guarantee you, Garrett will be found in a dumpster. <laughs> um. Uh, all right, you know what was the question again? Uh, 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 do you think? Okay, all seriousness, it's from Chris Romeo. Do you think Brexit will get enough playing time at Stoke this year? It's really hard to say. You know, they have a new manager, Mark Hughes. You have to see how he, what he sees with the team, how he wants the team to play, which, what new players are going to come in. Uh, but I tell you what, man, if if anything, it's the way these last two games have gone. I mean, it, like it's just you got to give Jurgen Klinsmann some credit, man, because. I think most, I think nine out of ten coaches in the same position that he was in would not have played Brexit again after that Cuban game. Wouldn't wouldn't have done it. Wouldn't have done it because you know what? He was awful. He was absolutely awful. I think most coaches would have put him on a plane and said, "You know what? You're Mark Hughes's problem now. It's clear you can't help us." And guess what? All Brexit's done is score a winner against Costa Rica and then come off the bench uh, tonight in Baltimore and play great. And, you know, he he knocked he 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 played with confidence. That goal lifted a weight off his shoulders, and 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 we saw it tonight. And again, look, El Salvador is not a defensive juggernaut. El Salvador is like a big. I don't I don't even know how to describe it. I mean, the way they play, they're they're just so frantic in their attack and their approach that they they just don't have a ton of defensive structure. So it was a perfect opponent for for Brexit to get in there, have time on the ball, pass the ball well. And, and it's funny because you think about that Cuba game. Which was what a week a week earlier, mm-hmm. the guy couldn't complete a pass to save his life. Right, he his, his his passing his passing percentage was probably you know one of the lowest in the history of U.S. national team soccer. Right, ne- negative eight Not or that. something like that. It, 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 no, he probably competed ten percent of his passes. It was ridiculous. And then he comes here tonight in Baltimore and El Salvador, and all of a sudden he's passing the ball around like he uh, 
you know, like he's Xavi or something. So it, it, you have to give Jurgen Klinsmann credit because now, whatever happens, Brexha is going to go to Stoke with confidence. He's going to go to Stoke feeling good because I'll tell you what, if he would have gone to Stoke after that Cuba game, how down would he have been, you know? And he would not have gone to Stoke City in the right mindset, you know? Now he's got now he's got these few few appearances, and, and he's done well, you know. So he uh, j- just to show you his stats today, he was a perfect seven for seven on passes. It's only seven passes, but still seven for seven as opposed to six for twenty five or whatever his stats were against Cuba. So credit to Klinsman for giving him a chance, and credit to Breck Shea for taking full advantage. Uh, final question comes from the Pigeon. Does SBI do a BPL fantasy league? We actually do. We actually have done uh, Premier League uh, fantasy leagues in the past. Unfortunately, we always get caught up in just everything else that goes on, so I personally don't keep track of it anymore. I, I usually start it, and then it just goes off on its own, and it does its own thing. I don't keep track of it. I tend to not give the winners anything. I forget. I, I will completely cop to it. Uh, hopefully this year that will change. Hopefully we'll get a sponsor uh, and get some swag going the way of the winner. Swag? Uh, okay, you gave me crap for saying swag on the show, like on the third show ever. Swag is officially banned from this show, FYI. Okay. First of all, swag in that context is different than the swag you're thinking of. Swag is just stuff, free stuff. That's like that. Look it up in the dictionary. Swag. Oh, is that's not right. It's from the yeah, swagger. Yeah, yeah. Swag all right, all right, all right. Stuff. Fine, 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 fine. I know. I know you didn't learn that in college, but there you go. So I didn't need to learn swag in college. I went to Arizona State, man. You know, you just walk around and things happened. Yeah, exactly. Majored <laughs> in partying. Um, I had a good time in college. <laughs> I know. You didn't learn anything, but it's good. No. Um, so, so I'll tell you what. We will have a Premier League. I, I will work on that. We'll set that up, and, and hopefully we'll get a sponsor so we can get some prizes for you guys. And, that, and there you go. That, that's going to happen. Oh, Ivis, that wraps up the longest SBI Q&A we've ever had. That also wraps up. The SBI show today. Um, as always, if everyone's looking for extended coverage and, and more stuff and questions asked, you can always participate in the SBI Live Q&A, or you can always check out the website, soccerbyivis.net, for extended coverage. Ivis, you're in Baltimore, man. Uh, is it still raining up there? No, it's a clear night. It's a clear night. About to uh, pack up and then head on back up to Jersey. Uh, it's been a, been a crazy uh, 30 hours or so. We drove down to Baltimore uh, yesterday for the the pregame stuff, the day before the game stuff, and then drove up to Portland, check out Union uh, Timbers, had a chance to catch up with Caleb Porter uh, after the match, and uh, you know see how he's doing, and uh, you know, and then come back, and then we're back down here today. Uh, drove down for the, for this doubleheader, and uh, it was good stuff. It was good stuff. So I'm back to Jersey, back to the sweltering heat, and then uh, next weekend, uh, you know, barring any shocking upsets on Wednesday. I'll be in Chicago for the Gold Cup final, and next week is the MLS All-Star Game, and I will be there for that in lovely Kansas City. I will actually be leaving Houston tonight, too, so when we do this show, you and I will finally be back in our respective homes, our home states. Yes, yes sir, and I have to congratulate Sir Garrett Cleverly. Don't congratulate and his, me. And his team, his his squad, Real Salt Lake, what is it, the U15, U16? Is that what they are? Yeah, okay, real quickly. You, you got your boys props. Give your boys yes, props. The, the disclaimer here for everyone that thinks I'm a Real Salt Lake fan and I work for Real Salt Lake is this. I work for the Real Salt Lake Academy. It just happens to be in Arizona. I do not work for Real Salt Lake. I do not receive a paycheck from Real Salt Lake. I do not answer <laughs> to the GM, Garth Lagerway. Nor do I answer to Trey or Sam up there, and they're, all these guys are awesome. I don't, I don't answer. I work for Grande Sports Academy. The Real Salt Lake Academy just happens to be there. And I cover and, and, I, and I'm their PR guy. And they won the U15, the U16 team. National Development Championship. Also, we also need to give props to the New York Red Bulls, who also won the U17, U18 National Championship. They also won last year's U15, U16 Championship. So I'm sure New York Red Bull fans are geeking out right now that they're seeing the progression of age going up. But it was a, it was very good down, uh, fun down here. U.S. Soccer did a good job. They had a BBVA Compass Stadium. I mean, our, congratulations to all the boys on our team. I mean, some of these guys are going to be really special guys to watch for the future. Wrap very, it up. Well, you know, I'm, just, I'm very proud. Games. You told me to give props. You told me to give props. You know, congratulations yeah. to all the boys and the coaches. The no. Well, I, I would love to, man. I'd love to go over this roster, tell people who they need to watch out for. But we, we can do that. We can save that for another show, Ivis. We can save yes. that for five years from now where we're, where we're saying 
where we have the show in some nice New York studio in, in Manhattan or something like that. Oh, uh, one day, my friend. Yes. One day. Yes. All right, well, I was, uh, you have a long drive. I need to catch a choo-choo train back to Arizona. <laughs> <laughs> you get uh, on the bandwagon. You get on the bandwagon. <laughs> you're going to rustle up the horses, and uh, yes. you'll be in Arizona before you know it. Oh, man, I'm, I'm leaving Monday morning. I don't get until Tuesday morning. But enough But enough of how my life is whatever. <laughs> wow. I was, yeah, I know, I know, I know. Seriously, man. I know. Ivis, you have a safe trip back, and uh, everyone else, thank you, as always, for listening to the show. Ivis, I'll talk to you on Tuesday night. All right. I'll see you then. Thanks, buddy. And as always, everyone, thank you for your views. Thank you for your comments. This is The SBI Show. Yeah. Fresh to death she is, from her steps to her set she is, so death might not let me live, you did, fresh, uh-huh, yes she is, had a feeling that it would be a day like this, the orchestra in my mind, don't play like this, nah, but I'm prepared for it, got a little red for it, brushed off my ass, even cut my hair for it, cause normally I don't care for it, don't even be looking for like, like that, then there go it, yeah, right over there.